BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the What We Said podcast. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Hope you guys are having a great start to your week. I'm JC, if you're new to the podcast. And I'm Chelsea. Wow. <clears throat> I'm Chelsea. Chelsea's having some allergies right now. Who knows? Who knows what's up? Welcome back. We were trying to think of things we could discuss, updates we have for you guys. And we've both been kind of just chilling. I went to Denver. That's probably my update. It was really fun with my friends Jordan and Kemper. Um, me and Leif went on a little couple's snow trip. And that was actually my first, like, snow trip of the season. Like, I hadn't really been in cold weather in this snow. whole winter. So, that was fun. Um, we were there for, like, four days. And we actually—I do have an update. We tried bouldering for the first time. And I actually think it is so fun. And I've been really into it lately. I mean, we've only gone twice. But I think it's really fun. It's basically indoor rock climbing with, like, no harness. But— the um what's it called the wall isn't that high so it's like even if you fell there's like soft mats below you so mm-hmm. it's not really scary because when they were like let's go bouldering I'm like that sounds terrifying so yeah. like, oh no there's no harnesses I'm like that's worse like that's <laughs> yeah. scary but um there's I, no harnesses don't worry yeah I thought it was actually really fun so we found a bouldering gym kind of near us and Leif and I went the other night and yeah we're just we're gonna start going more you I guys think. are boulderers yeah I think it's really fun so um, there's my update for you. Tell us what have you been yeah. doing. Um, so we just finished our bedroom. We've been, you know, just going one room at a time. Decorated, repainted our kitchen. That vlog's up on my YouTube if you want to check it out. And then we just did our bedroom. That vlog's coming soon. And next is our family room. Except for our family room's actually kind of done because we couldn't really wait to do it. So just a little couple things we need to finish here and there but for the most part it feels like home like finally it feels like we have a space for everything it's like you're getting in the groove yeah it's feeling cozy it's mm-hmm. feeling very homey um i wanted to discuss something that i saw on twitter that apparently so it's this viral video and um it's kind of had the internet divided and i wanted to discuss it with chelsea we haven't talked about this um but the video is i don't know if you guys have seen this but it was it went viral like a few weeks maybe two weeks ago and the video is this guy on a plane sitting at the very back row and when you're in the very last row on a plane you cannot um what is the word i'm looking for wow recline recline your seat and the person in front of him, the lady in front of him, reclined her seat. So, you know, if you've ever been in that position, it is pretty annoying because 
you have very limited space because he obviously does not have the option to recline. So he was punching the back of her seat and she was recording him like kind of selfie style. And it's just this guy punching the back of her seat basically to try and get her to put her seat back up. Um, I want to get your take on this and who, so apparently on Twitter, it said like the internet is very divided on this. A lot of people think he's in the wrong and a lot of people think like she was being really inconsiderate to put her seat back in the first place. What are your thoughts? I feel like both. I feel like they're both in the wrong. Like you should not be punching someone else's seat because I mean, do we know the backstory? Did he ask her or something? I don't know the backstory because if he like asked her and she was just straight up like either ignoring him or something, but at the same time, if you're in the last seat, that's kind of just how it is. I've been in the last seat before and it is annoying, but you don't have to punch them. That's yeah. like so childish to me. But maybe if he was like, hey, it was like a certain specific situation and he was like, hey, can you please put it up? And she just started ignoring him or something. But, but even still, then, the punching, I'm like, the punching's not okay. No, the punching. You're a grown man. The punching's too far. Yeah. And here is what so we were talking about this actually when we were in Denver with Jordan and Kemper. And Jordan was saying the thing about that is if he sitting in the back row expects her not to recline her seat for him, mm -hmm. then what about her? Because the person in front of her is probably going to recline. I was recline. the same thing. And yeah. then it's like, okay, so basically no one you're can expecting no one on the plane on this side of the row, you know, to recline their seat in the middle yeah. seat. And it's just like it's like you said, when you get the back seat, that's just kind of what it is. And I feel like that's too far to be yeah. whatever. So I think they're both, I think they're both childish. Yeah. Him for punching and her for just sitting there recording and like kind yeah. of laughing about it. I think it's ridiculous. But truthfully, I think he is in the wrong. And it's like if is. you really wanted them to get it back up or get their seat back up and not recline, punching them is not going to make them put it back up. You know what I mean? No. It's like if you asked and they're like, oh, sorry, like I'm just so tired. I want to take a nap. And it's like, okay, can you please like maybe ask again? But even then it's like, it's like punching is never going to work. No, and accept it for what it is. I mean, I if wonder someone how started long punching my seat, I think I would just stay there too because you're just like pissed off at that yeah. point. You're like punching me? Yeah. You're a grown man. It's so rude. It's crazy. Um, But I did have another question because when I was on my flight home from Colorado— you're like, um, I punched someone. I'm like, <laughs> I did the same. No, the guy in front of me was playing a game on his phone. And I don't know what the game was, but the volume, it was like at full volume. So every time he would like, I don't know. It wasn't like And he didn't crush. know? I don't know. Like he didn't have headphones in. So it was just like on full volume and he's just playing a game. And it would just be like coins like <gasps> over and over. Like actually within one second. Well, you're joking. And I was trying to read a book and I literally could not focus because it was so constant and it was actually at full volume. Yeah. And I think most of the time, not most of the time, but a lot of times on planes, I do have my headphones on. So it's like, I think maybe the people around him just had headphones on, but because I was trying to read, it was like so annoying to me. And I didn't say anything, but like there was a moment where I almost was like, I want to just ask like, hey, is there any way you could turn your volume down a little bit? But then I was like, oh my gosh, is that like, Am I being that annoying no. person? Oh my gosh, no. Okay, think, that's completely different. I would for sure be like, hey, can you turn your volume down? Because I feel like that's completely inconsiderate you, to other people. Yeah. Maybe he didn't know it was all the way up though. Sometimes, you know, maybe he had like AirPods in. Did he have no headphones in? I don't know because he was a seat right in front of, or he's a seat right in front of me to the left. So oh. I couldn't really see his like if he had headphones on. But um, I— because sometimes stopped. he might think like no one can hear it. And then if someone's like, can you turn that off? He's like, oh my gosh, like I'm so sorry. But, yeah. 
But yeah, no, you are not in the wrong for being annoyed. That's I, annoying. I was thinking about like plain etiquette and I was thinking that was super annoying to me. Um, but it, it did stop after probably like five minutes, but like five minutes is a long time of that. It is that a long going. time. So anyway, but I was on the verge. Like I was about to be like, hey, I'm so sorry. Would you mind turning your volume down a little bit? I'm just trying to read. But then I was like, oh, I just feel like Right after you saw that meme. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, am I being that annoying person on the plane? So, yeah. I think another thing that is kind of inconsiderate, but also I understand that it's necessary sometimes is like eating a meal that is just like, like when it's like chicken <gasps> and rice and it's right next to you. I'm like, that is the Makes worst. Makes me nauseous. It's the worst on a plane. Oh yeah. They like, like open up this like tuna like, sandwich. Yeah. I'm like, absolutely oh, not. I have literally had someone sit next to me eat a tuna sandwich. Yeah. And I'm like, tuna. Yeah. Of all the things you could be eating right now. It's like, can pasta. we get— Yeah, pasta. Like, can we get some Pizza, crackers? Some, something. Some fruit. Like, yeah. But um, we were kind of those people because we went to Lemonade, like, right before. And it was kind of—we had to get it to go because um, we were getting on our flight and we were starving. And so— I, I was literally, I'm like, I almost don't want to get a meal because I don't mm-hmm. want to be that person that eats it on the plane because I hate because it was like a salad thing and it just, I'm like, this is not going to yeah. smell good. Um, but anyway, I, I did it. So I was that person for a second. I tried to eat as much as I could before. But anyway, I was yeah. like, we should talk about plane etiquette on the podcast. I feel like communication is key on a plane. Mm-hmm. Like if if the person next to you is eating something and you're like, hey, actually, I'm, I might throw up. Can you put that away? Yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> but if you're like, hey, sorry, this might stink. Like, then if someone said that, I'd be like, okay, it's fine. And you just like live with live it. Live with it for like 10 minutes, yeah. whatever. I know. Anything like that, about. that there's like, that it's annoying. I feel like if you just communicate it, it to them, then their things are good. Yeah. And you can All figure it out. Communication. But punching is never a good thing. <laughs> punching has got to be a no Absolutely for me. not. Also, let's talk about The Bachelor. Okay. So Bachelor this week, again, we can never be up to date. But if you watch on Tuesday nights, like my family does, because you have Hulu, you don't have cable or whatever, then you're, you know, right where we are at this point. So this week was Hometowns. And we're just going to skip to Victoria because (laughs) all of the other ones were fine. Kelsey's, I mean, she went home, so we don't have to really worry about that anymore. But she was, her, all of her dates were so boring. I'm I, sorry. Well, I could tell that he was not into it on her yeah. date. I was like, oh, she's Their like, hometown, yeah. Their hometown was just not, I don't know. The body language I was getting from him, especially when she told him she was like in love with him. His reaction, I'm like, you know when you can just tell someone's like, mm. yeah. And then when he sent her home, he's like, I'm sorry, I just wasn't there. Like when you, I loved that you told me that, but like I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, which I could tell, even yeah. just on TV. He kept kissing her, and we're like, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. She's like, I'm in love with you, and he just kept kissing her, and I'm like, that's what they say when they don't, or that's what they do yeah. when they don't have a response. Yeah, when they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Victoria F. So I mean, she's the talk of the town. You know, this the hometown date was so shocking, and just like her reactions were crazy. And my thoughts during the whole thing, during their conversation, I mean, a few things. She needs therapy. That's <laughs> Those were my main thoughts. She needs to go to therapy. She has some issues she's got to work out, to be quite honest. She, it, it, what I was thinking is, it's the definition, like, even when Peter's explaining their relationship to her or to the cameras or anything, it's like, hearing him say it out loud, it's actually, he's just describing a toxic relationship. Like, when mm-hmm. he's saying, he's like, when it's good, it's great, but then, like, it just blows up every time. And I'm like, that is literally yeah. what it's like to date someone who's toxic. Yeah. Like, that's just what it is. And I am shocked, shocked at the way she speaks to him for knowing him for such a short amount of time. So short. I'm like, that is seriously how you talk to your husband of like four years. Yeah. 
after you know what I mean like when you're annoyed with him you're like okay whatever just saying annoyed things like really Peter I'm like you've known him can you imagine doing that on like a second or third date yeah she she's like excuse she's like excuse me and he's like what no he he says excuse me he's like well their fight was kind of hilarious because he was just so confused um she was like (laughs) she said something and he goes excuse me and she goes excuse me what Peter (laughs) shocking and she just can't deal with the conflict like yeah. she does not have good conflict resolution skills that's she's why i'm avoids like it. she's got something going on she's got to go talk to somebody about she's got some built-up anger i know well and she things can't have, even deal with it for two seconds things have come up about her like you know since and i'm just like it's not a good match like they're not no. they're not a good match you put everything aside like it's just not he really is as much as I've questioned his uh, decisions on this season, he is, like, a kind-hearted yeah. person who does deserve someone who, like, is obsessed with him. And it just their communication skills. He even said that. He's like, we have no communication skills. Like, yeah. I try and come to you with a problem, and you literally run away. Yeah. Like, actually. Actually run away every single time. Yeah. And then as soon as he's like, there's real consequences, she gets scared, and she starts acting She's all like, sweet what? again. I don't want to go. I don't want to yeah. go. It's crazy. Anyway, so he kept her, and I guess we'll see. And maybe some of, maybe we all know at this point what's happened because Fantasy Suites. We all knew he wanted her for Fantasy Suites, though, to be real. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah. Gosh, I'm I'm just, and I'm like, I'm thinking about who he picked in the end. Like, just all that. I'm like, watching this back has to be so painful. For him? You mean? For him, for the person, oh. if he's with someone right now, like whoever that was. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's a not Victoria F. So whoever he's with, just watching him like, I don't know, just the whole relationship. I'm yeah. like, that has got to be painful to watch back. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm an idiot. Yeah. For him, watching it back, he's like, yeah. It's like Hannah B. and Luke P. It's like when you watch back the toxic relationship, you're just like, why yeah. was I so, you know. Do you think he's with someone or not? I feel like he might not be with anyone. I think he is. Really? Because mm-hmm. on this talk show I saw a couple days ago, he was talking about Kelly. And he was saying, like, she actually, watching back, like, she called me out on certain things. And that's, like, really what I'm looking for in my person one day. Really? Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, he slipped it. Either he, like, is doing that on purpose or he actually slipped and said it. That was a he recent interview. He also looks so exhausted in all of his interviews. Like, recent that he's interviews? done recently. Like, he has bags under his eyes. I'm like, he is so tired. You can even tell at hometowns. He's so tired. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure he is. And remember on Kelsey's date, we were watching it. And I'm like, he's exhausted. Mm -hmm. He's exhausted. And then we, like, Reality Steve posted that Kelsey's date was the last one. Like, even though it aired second or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, hers was actually filmed last. I was like, yeah, I can tell. Because he looked so beat down and exhausted. And he'd already gone through all the stuff with the Victoria F at that point, even yeah. though it aired differently than what, anyway. And he probably already knew he was going to send Vic- or Kelsey home. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, actually. I don't know. After Victoria. Who knows, man? This season has been a ride. Yeah. It has been like, at the beginning, I was like, ooh, this is going to be a good season. And then I feel like in the middle, I'm like, okay. I'm Not that I've lost interest, but when they did the whole, like, one episode on Monday, one episode on Wednesday, and they were all like, like a three hour and two hour episode. I'm like, I am so bored. I know. But now I'm, I'm now getting, it's getting to this yeah. fantasy suites where I feel like the drama is going to really start to happen with Madison. Here's what I think happens. I think he does have sex with Victoria F. And I think Madison mm. gets mad and leaves. Not mad, but I think Madison like tells him like. It's like a deal breaker for yeah. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. There's a lot to there's a lot to think about, a lot to mm-hmm. talk about. I'm sure next week we'll have even more updates. Yeah. So so stay with us. Stay tuned. All right. So today we have beautiful Chalet on. And Chalet is a professor, she's or a college professor, author, and speaker. And she is a ray of sunshine. Let me tell you guys something. So she talks about how she went through a lot in her life, like sexual abuse, infidelity. She even got arrested and It's a funny story. So you guys need to definitely listen up. Um, She gives a lot of advice uh, specifically kind of for women to really like step into your power and feel like you're good enough on your own, whether you have a partner or you don't. Um, Also, I really liked that we talked about why girls like bad guys and why they always go for the bad boys. And also another thing that I think a lot of you guys could either relate to or use is we talk about good advice for somebody for you if you have somebody in your life like a loved one or a friend who is in a toxic relationship and how you can help them because I think that a lot of times when we are going through that with somebody else in our life it's so you feel so helpless so we talk about a lot of good stuff so ladies and guys if you want to you know listen up yeah pay attention so without further ado Shalay. all right quick break to talk about CBD If you guys are not aware, CBD has a ton of benefits. It can help you with sleep, pain, stress, and lots more. And there is no high hangover or addiction of any kind. Um, I feel like that is definitely a misconception of CBD. And whenever I bring up CBD, that is always like people's first thing is like, well, don't you get, can't you get high or like addicted to it? The answer is no. Um, It works naturally to help you feel better. So navigating the world of CBD, I think, can be a little bit complicated. And that's why we absolutely love this company, Feels. They're trying to make the process as simple as possible. And they have like a CBD hotline if you're new to it and text message support to help guide your experience and just make it all, you know, be laid out very clearly. So also when the product comes to you, it comes with a little booklet with some stuff to educate you and instructions on how much to take and a bunch of info. So it's all laid out and it's really nice. Their premium CBD is delivered directly to your doorstep. Um, They have a hassle-free membership program and it's guaranteed to help you feel your best month after month or your money back. It's that simple. Feel your best. I like what you did there. Oh, I like that. So um, I must say that the packaging is beautiful. And yes, that actually does matter because when it's next to my bed, I want it to, you know, look good. The reason I use CBD actually is to help me sleep at night. I wake up constantly in the night, like probably 10 times minimum on regular. (gasps) Maybe Maybe five to 10. And I always have a hard time falling asleep as well. And CBD helps me tremendously. And this is my favorite CBD I've ever used. So so my husband loves it too. He literally has a little place in a drawer that he uses every night. I see him get out his feels to help him go to sleep because he has really bad ADD and ADHD. So um, it really helps him calm down for the night. We love CBD at my house. JC loves CBD at her house. And feels for sure, I agree with you, is one of the best that I've tried. So you guys can become a member today by going to feels.com slash what we said, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That is feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash what we said to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That is crazy, you guys. 50%. Feels.com slash what we said. Okay, you're from Brooklyn. So what was your childhood like? What was it like growing up there? Growing up in Brooklyn was amazing. I'm so happy that I grew up in this city because I have such a different perspective in life. Um, you know, it was a diverse, uh, you know, kind of 
upbringing. So I was raised with people from all different cultures, even though my community was mostly like Black and African-American. Um, but it was nothing you weren't exposed to. So in Brooklyn, you see homelessness, especially during the 80s and the 90s, when it was unfortunately a time when a lot of people were addicted to crack. Crack had hit the community really hard. So, you know, I was raised with, you know, drug dealers and crackheads and people who were really great people, middle-class families, teachers, and, you know, all kind of people that were just trying to do different things. Artists, you know, rappers, right? That was a big rap era. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was kind of amazing to just have that diverse background, that experience, you know, it's just something that I cherish even today. Love that. That Sounds great. So your story is really inspiring to us because you've gone through so many trials in your life. You, you such have you have like a very positive energy. Like even yeah. coming into the room, it's like <laughs> yes. contagious. Oh, I love it. I'm yeah. a happy person. <laughs> <laughs> One of the um, things that you mentioned is that you've experienced abuse. Is that something you're comfortable opening up about? Oh, yeah. So I went through sexual abuse. It wasn't anything in my family. I, I have a very loving mom and dad. Um, even though they divorced at an early age, they were both very present. And I mean, I was raised by my mom, but my dad stayed very present in my life. So didn't feel like I had any daddy issues per se. But I will say that issues did come up later on in life because of some sexual abuse that I experienced. And um, I was raped at an early age and um, around 12, 13, so pretty young. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the way that it um, happened was very traumatic to me. And um, and somebody growing from Brooklyn, New York, we were like really tough. Like, you know, we're okay. We could do it. You know, we can get through it. And so I think that after that experience, it changed me. It shaped who I was. I, I didn't want to, my relationships were different. I was just a different person. So that was something that I felt like broke me, you know, at that time. Yeah. Can you kind of dive into your journey to healing and how you've Again, how those experiences have shaped you and how you've kind of overcome them. Yeah, I think that sometimes when you go through a traumatic experience, when you're in the moment, you don't realize how much it's affected you. And when you get out of it, you still are like, okay, now where do I go? <laughs> right? Um, and so I found that it was through my children, through my friends, through me taking a back and kind of like having these out of body experiences where I kind of looked at myself and be like, oh, I don't like that person, you know, <laughs> that I began to see, okay, this trauma that I went through in my past has really affected me and I need to change and become a better person. So I will say that it wasn't all just me looking at, I had to get some therapy. I went through years of therapy. Um, really, really powerful woman who really just like, you know, stood up to me and was like, what's going on with you? You know, this is what you need to get to hold. You know, sometimes we think we're all right until we have somebody else looking at us. We're like, wait, 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 wait. I look dirty. I look stinky. I don't look too good. Yeah. You know, I got to get myself together. So it was through therapy, through through my own spiritual journey of trying to re- really get closer to God. I'm a Christian. My dad has been, is a pastor. So, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. But really discovering my own relationship with God, right? Not Mm -hmm. because of my mother and my father, but because of what I believe. Um, And uh, really doing the process of healing, of looking at myself and saying, these are the things I want to change. And these are the steps I'm going to make to try to change them. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like everyone has to go through that point in their life. At what age 
do you what did that happen? Was it when you were a teenager or was it like your early twenties? I think it was like my twenties because okay. I, when I was a teenager, I was like reckless. You know, mm-hmm. I went to college at sixteen and wait, you went to college at sixteen? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I went to college at sixteen and I was always very my mom was very strict and I was a sheltered child. So when I went to college, I was like party time, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was so this is why I don't even party today, or even when I was in my twenties or thirties, it was like old to me by that time, you know. But um yes, yeah, so I will say like in my mid-20s, I began and after I had my first child, that was like really, you know, a wake-up thing for me. Do I wanna well, who do I wanna be for my daughter? Mm-hmm. You know, that was really the question. So I began to look at myself differently. And then you can also see it through the type of relationships that you're having with people. So I noticed I was dealing with just these bad dudes, you know? Yeah. I like these dudes that just didn't treat me well, you know? Some of us are addicted to pain. We don't realize it. Definitely. Yeah. We only like the bad guys, Mm -hmm. you know? That was me, you know? And so I'm just like, okay, why am I attracted to only these bad guys or these guys that don't treat me well or these guys that are using me? So I kind of had to look at that really for what it was. If yeah. you see yourself going in these negative patterns, it's something wrong, you know? Yeah, you got to sure. start digging deep. I feel like even a lot of girls, I think, can relate to the, oh, I love the bad boy. And like, yeah. why am I so attracted so to this guy who treats me like crap? When like, <laughs> I have these guys who are treating me so nice, but it's like, I don't, I'm not attracted to them. Yeah, And it is, it's like, we want, we really truly, I think this is a quote from like, perks of being a wallflower or something like that but it's like we only accept the love we think we deserve and that's like more internal and we don't like realize that's what we're doing but it's like that's we don't really deep down feel that we deserve the because of all the past trauma we've been through or whatnot yes that's exactly what it is it's the way we feel about ourselves and it projects outwardly right I mean you can hide it you can dress it up we can buy all the Chanel Gucci bags Louis Vuitton we can look good put on eyelashes and Mm -hmm. change our eye colors and get bigger booties whatever we need to do to make but at the end of the day whatever is going on inside of you is going to come out and you are going to show whatever is really the really the way you feel about yourself. It's going to show. Mm-hmm. And that's in relationships you choose and you just having breakdowns, meltdowns. You know, you can't hide who you are forever. Yeah. I feel like for those of you listening who are in a relationship with a bad boy, and, and what I mean by a bad boy is like treats you bad too, is there's there's some awakening coming after this breakup. If you're breaking up with one, you're heartbroken, you think you're never going to find your soulmate again, yes. just trust me, there's some good times coming your way. Yes. Totally and you know, work. you got to think about it, like, why are we attracted to these bad boys? It's, you know, it's because, you know, yes, we, we think that we deserve that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, what I, and as I got older and I've really looked at relationships that were really positive and have lasted a long time, and, and been around older people and people who have been like my mentors and people I really respect, it's not always the thing that looks the cutest. That's the one that's for you, you know? And sometimes Lauren Hill has a song that says, sometimes what you want is not what you need, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you just give yourself time, what you need will come along, you know? But you'll let it pass by also if you don't realize that this is what I need, Yeah, you know? it doesn't look exactly how you want it to right, look. Or, right. Yeah, for sure. So that's good. at what age did you get married? Oh, I got married. I think it was like 25, 26. Okay. Yeah, I was around 26, 27 maybe. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. What was your relationship like with your husband or your marriage? How would you describe it? Oh, it was a volatile relationship. I mean, he's fine. He's like really super sexy fine. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I mean. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was super sexy fine. We went to high school together. He comes from a good family. His mother, his sisters— 
he had all the morals and everything that you would think a man would have, but he loved women. <laughs> and that, that it's problematic when you're married to one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, say so. Yeah, so it was a constant barrage of me being going from like being heartbroken because he was cheating or something was going on in our marriage. And, you know, he was he really felt like he I, he said this later that he wasn't ready. Um, but it was ready for commitment for commitment. You know, I hate when guys say that because it's like, you have a choice. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't remember any handcuffs, you know, <laughs> Yeah, saying you better marry me, but whatever. Yeah. You know? Commitment's not like puberty. It's not like a natural thing that happens at a certain age. No. It's like something it's, you have to commit to it. <laughs> yes. Right. And actually people commit to stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I committed to getting my degree when I was 16 and I held out that commitment until I graduated, mm-hmm. you know, and I've gotten multiple degrees after that that I'm committing to. So I will say that commitment, you make commitments all the time. It's just what we prioritize as our commitments are being. Don't tell me that you could commit to this, but you can't commit to this marriage. You Definitely. Know? And so a lot of times it was, you know, in and out of him not keeping jobs and me being the breadwinner and trying to keep the family going. We had, you know, two children, then later three. And so it really became, and he was still in the phase of like, I want, I got to be with my boys. I got to hang out, you know, and I got to have these women on the side. And and, and I think at, at a point in my marriage, I just was like, I'm just going to lie to myself. I'm just going to act like everything's fine. I'm going to lie to myself. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to um, look happy. You know, we're going to keep our family unit together. And I'm just going to just breathe and just let things go in this Suppress. marriage. Yes. And just, you know, it'll get better. He'll get older, you know. And then that just never came. You know, that point never came. And actually, I was more broken because of me staying in it as long as I did. I mean, I was with him for 14 years. We were married for like 10 years. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... And when I look back, I was broken. My children were hurting. You know, that's the key. Don't stay for your kids because they know what's really going on eventually. Mm -hmm. And it was just a disaster. And I was a disaster. When I looked up, I hadn't taken any pictures of myself. Like, I didn't think I was beautiful. I didn't dance around the house and play music like I used to. I used to be the life of the party. It seemed like somebody came and just sucked all the life out of me. Mm -hmm. So it was a very volatile marriage. So you had said that you caught him cheating. You caught him in bed with someone else. Yes. So was that kind of your final shower? Like, how did that situation happen and go down? Yeah, I will say that um, there should have been a lot of final straws. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, uh, um, you know, I will say that, you know, that was the eye-opener to me. It was an eye-opener, not just because I caught him in bed. Because at this time, actually, we were separated, but we were still dealing with husband and wife. He was still, we were still sleeping together. He was still coming by to see the kids. He was, he kept on saying, we're going to get back together. We're going to be a family. And I believed him. So when I walked in and saw her with this woman, it was like, oh my God, heartbreaking. Like, you know, and, but you know, it's so funny because I knew he was doing it. But just I was going to say, did you know? And yeah. then that was the first time it was like real. When you see it in your face though, it's something about it. You can't get rid of that image, Ugh. you know? 
And the worst thing about it was because I was, like, so hurt and we were, like, actually getting into, like, a physical fight. Because you don't know what you would do if you caught your husband in bed with somebody or anybody you love. You were getting in a fight with him or with her? With him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She she didn't have anything to do. I was going to say, know, good for you, girl. Yes. Good for you, queen. Yes. <laughs> Not uh, blaming the women for no. this. Yes. No, because she didn't know. She didn't even know who I was. He was, matter of fact, he told the reason why we got into physical altercation because he told her that he didn't have a wife when I was standing right there. I don't oh, know who this geez. woman is. She's not my wife. <gasps> yes. The audacity. Oh yes. Wow. And then said, oh, she was a, she's a better woman than you could ever be. Okay, so <laughs> that made me, like, see red, you know? I'm red. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay, so it wasn't that. It was me looking at my life. I had these three kids in my home. One of them was a baby, my, my baby girl. And... I could have lost everything because I got arrested. Of course, I beat the charge, thank God. But I got arrested, and it was a public embarrassment because it was publicly said, you know, in the, like, local paper, here this woman is getting arrested. Yes. No way. Yes. Oh my because gosh. of the physical fight? Yes, because okay. of the fight, yes. They didn't put in there that I, that was my husband that I caught in bed with another woman. Yeah. They didn't put that in there. But they made it seem like I just came in just domestically, you know, assaulted a man. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. So it was embarrassing. I could have lost everything. Thank God I didn't. But it was an eye opener. And sometimes, you know what? Actually, it was a blessing. Because when you lie to yourself, sometimes what God has to do is he has to make your lies public for you to realize that you have to change, that something has to Ooh, change. Oh, yeah. That's good. I like that. It's yeah. True. Yeah. And that's what he did for me. He made it public because I remember me saying, God, open my eyes, show me what I need to see. And he did. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that I didn't see it all along, but I mean, really, really, he really showed it to me. Like, this is what your life is going to look like if you keep on going down this path. I'm putting you in the paper, girl. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, Jesus. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> but I will tell you that it was, uh, even to this day, I say thank you, God, for that experience mm-hmm. um, because it began a process of me I'll tell you a funny story. I went to the therapist maybe like a couple of months before this incident happened. And the therapist was like, hmm, same therapist. She was like, well, I don't think you're ready for counseling because everything I hear you say, you know this man does these things to you, but you don't want to let him go. And I was like, "Mm, okay. And I was like, this counseling is not for me. Well, when this happened, I went back to her and she was like, "Mm, it sounds like you're ready to let him go now. Yeah. You know? And so it began, like, my real process of, of looking back and healing. And that's when my other trauma came up from my, my you know, me being raped and molested. And mm-hmm. and so that's when it came up, and I really had to deal with all of it. Had, had you ever, like, spoken to anyone about that since you were young and you had gone through it? Yes. So, actually, I told my best friend um, at that time, you know, um, who was the assistant pastor's daughter— what happened because it I've I have felt really depressed, you know, and at one point even a little like suicidal, you know, and I didn't know why, of course, you know, it was like seeds planted in there. Um and when I told her, she told the pastor. Um so it it did, you know, come out and it, but they kept it secret. Um so I did, but besides that, nobody else knew. It was like my big secret that I kept in. I didn't want to embarrass my family, my mother, my father, anybody. So I kind of kept it quiet. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying, like not wanting to let him go. I feel like yeah. it reminded me of something I in The Four Agreements. Have you ever read The Four yes. Agreements? Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that book. I need to reread it again. Though. I know. I read it like once a year. Yes. It's just so good. And yeah. so quick. Yes. Um, 
But he says something and he goes into abuse. I don't know if you remember this part where he's talking about how we never let anybody abuse us more than we would abuse ourselves. And that was so powerful to me because it's— Yes. If they—if some—he's saying, if someone is abusing you more than you would abuse yourself, then you would be like, no, that's not okay. Like, I'm leaving this situation. But if someone is doing it to where you believe, like, again, like, that's what you deserve. Like, this is—I'm horrible to myself anyway. So it's not like he's treating me any worse than I'm treating myself. Then that's when you stay. So I feel like it's— important to kind of understand that like when you are ready to take that step and go to therapy or start yeah. working on yourself so that you yeah. start accepting better things into your life. And so many people are blind. Like I totally get the, you know, I, you know, people are very critical of domestic violence women when they stay in relationships, you know, um, and they're very critical of that. But I totally get it because I understand that, first of all, when you think less of yourself, like you said, you're going to stay in a situation that's not good for you. Um, and another issue is that um, people always think it's so easy to leave, and it's not. It's just not easy to leave. And there's something that happens when you're in these, like, abusive relationships. It's not always all bad. Like, people always think it's always all bad. There's something that I call, like, these temporary highs, like these roller coaster moments. And so you're kind of like, oh, look, he was nice to me today, and he was so sweet, and oh, you know, he does love me. And so then you're like, okay, I can stay for another year because of this one or two moments that I'm having But what you're not realizing is the overall factor of what's happening to you. People can chip away at you piece by piece over time and they know how to do it. And you can wake up like, I am damaged, totally damaged, you know. Um, Think about it like a tree, you know, that stands. If it keeps on getting hit by bad weather and bad weather, eventually it's going to deteriorate. And it's the same thing that what happens when with people, you have some sunny days and they think the sunny days kind of like over, you know, kind of overemphasizes the sunny days instead of the days that are not so good. So being careful about that is so important. And that's one thing that I've learned even for myself. I take inventory of everything, the good, the bad, even my relationships. If this relationship is, how is this relationship ha- impacting my life? Let me look at the good and the bad. And if it's not, then maybe I need to change something. Definitely. What do you—I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. What do you think is good advice for someone listening or who has a loved one or a friend? Because I feel like most of us know someone who is in a relationship like that. And it's like, you can say, girl, you got to get out. You got to get out. Like, what are you doing with them? They're horrible. Like, what what advice coming from you, like, would actually have helped you? Or if there was anything anyone could do that would have, like, helped you at all? You know, it's so funny because, I mean, it depends. You know, like at this age, I'm always taking self-inventory, right? I just turned 40 not too long ago. So now I'm like looking at everything. Like, did I, even if I speak to somebody wrong, I'm wanting to go back and be like, I apologize. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to speak to you like that. Did I mean rude? Because that means so much to me that people leave with this feeling that she's a good person, right? Because mm-hmm. I've come to that level in my life. But when I was in my 20s, like, maybe nobody can tell me anything. Well, I love him, girl. I want to be with him. Nuh-uh. You don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. So I will say that it's important that you speak the truth to your friend, that you keep on saying. And it's never good to say, leave him. I never say that to any of my friends because automatically then their defensive ear comes up. And they right? don't want to talk to they you about it anymore. They don't want to talk to you about it anymore. Yeah. So I never say leave. I show them themselves. And I don't ever even talk about the guy. I always say, I have a friend in the situation. I say, this is who you are. You are beautiful. You are kind. You are the same girl who picked me up, you know, when I needed you. You're the same one when I was like, then you told me to leave this dude when he wasn't treating me right. Why do you think I, I, as a friend, want to see you going through the same thing? I don't make it about the guy. 
You know, because oh, that's good. You know, that's I make advice. it about yeah. the friend who she is. No, you are better than this. You don't deserve this. This is why you shouldn't accept this. Because when you ever put it on another guy, they, then the air goes off, right? Because they think, oh, she doesn't like him or whatever, whatever. But when you show them who they are, then they start to begin, well, maybe I do deserve to be treated better. Exactly. I love that. I think that's really good advice. Okay, going right along with that, something that stood out to me that you said to us is that sometimes as a woman, we settle for what we shouldn't because of the fear of being alone or starting over. And I can't imagine like starting as a single mother when mm-hmm. you, because you did get divorced. We didn't get there, right? But right. you did get divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and starting out as a single mother, I can't imagine the fear and the loneliness you probably did feel. So how did you go about navigating that? You know, I think loneliness is real. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you that being lonely is not real. I mean, I have moments when I'm like, I would love to be in a relationship. Um, and the truth is, I could be in a relationship. But my standard for my life does not allow me to be in a relationship with just anybody. And so I think that people are so lonely that they get into these relationships with people and they don't set standards for themselves, especially us women. We do that a lot. You know, there's a, I teach world literature in my English class and I've taught this uh, piece called Lysistra. I would love for you to be my professor. Oh, first yes. of all. I probably would have stayed in college, honestly. Yes. Anytime you want to take my class, I'll teach you anything you need. And I love it. And my students, my, my my women students love this the most because it's basically a literature about women who went on a sex strike to stop a war. Wow. Yeah. Does that mean they, they, they stop having, having sex? sex? Oh, okay. And they stuck together and it worked. So I'm using that as an example to say that Stop having sex? No, I'm not saying that, okay? (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to use that one next time. Yes, but I think that if women unify and if we collectively begin to up our standards, men cannot do certain things to us. There will always be people who will be hoes and, you know, tricks. And you will always have women who are willing to just give it up so easy. And you have bad women out here who don't deserve good men, you know? So I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to make it seem like that. But I will say the same thing for men. You have good, you know, you have good men out here who get bad women, right? I mean, you have bad men, bad women on both sides. But I will say that if you set a standard for yourself that this is not what I'm I'm going to accept, I think that standard will begin to set a different society. Ooh. We have a different society, so. I, I love that. It's I like think, supply and demand. Yes, exactly. Nice. I I think that loneliness, like you said, is probably the number one reason that people will stay in relationships. I've seen it so many times with myself back in the day and also with friends that I've had that are like, they would rather be in a relationship with someone who doesn't treat them well at all because of those little moments where they they have those highs, like you said, the roller coaster. Yeah. They just hold out for that one. Well, that well, today was good, so I'm gonna, you know, suffer through another bad six oh my months. God, that's and it's exactly. the worst cycle. Like makes me sick yeah, to think they're about like it. Addicted to the highs. Yeah. And you and loneliness, I will say, like I had three children, right? So, you know, I didn't realize how much how lonely you could be when you had until you get older and you have these kids, you're taking care of and then you realize you're raising them by yourself, you know, as a single mother, right? I mean, I thought I was lonely after I would get out relationships and just be by myself. But this was like a whole nother level of loneliness. But I will say that there are times in loneliness that you can really see who you are. Loneliness is important, you know? And you can be you can be alone and not feel lonely, you know? There are times that I'm alone and I feel 
like, wow, I'm really, really building myself up today. I'm building my self-esteem up. I mean, I don't get lonely as much anymore because I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I stay busy. If I'm not doing something with my children, I'm doing something for myself. I told my girlfriend, I said, take up a hobby. You're always looking for a man and you're getting these, you know, <laughs> these little duds, not studs. You're getting these duds. Duds, <laughs> not studs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Take up a hobby. And she started painting and please, she don't even think about a man no more, you know? <laughs> not saying that you will, you know, literally yeah. not. I think about a man because I think about it. But I feel like as long as you stay busy and you have a purpose to your life. You know, in the 50s and 60s, women lived for their men and their kids, right? Husbands and kids. And then you would see a lot of times when the men would die, the women would be like, what am I going to do in my life? Or the children go to college, the women would be like broken, you know? But I never forget. One time, me, I took my mom to France. We were going through, uh, you know, the Chateau French, the Chateau French Palace. And there was a lady there, 91 years old. And she was telling me how she ran a dance school. Her husband died. She has no family left. But she decided to travel the world. I at 91? At 90. One. Oh my God. She had like one child that was grown and her kid didn't want to come with her. And she said, I'm going. And you know, that inspired me. I never forgot that story because this happened years ago, but that was something that stuck with me is that you live your life for you and you have purpose to your life. There's nothing nobody can take away from you. So at 90 years old, I want to be somewhere in Paris touring a, a little um, yeah. <laughs> chateau. We're going to be in Paris together yes, at 90. Yes, okay. Palace talking about, yeah, kids are good. You know, we're good. Every grandkids are good. Thank you. You know, let me take, I took, we, we, we kept her around us the whole time. We were like helping her out, taking pictures. But she inspired me, you know, and I never forgot that. She was telling me her life story about all the things she did. And I was like, wow, this lady, you know, made a life for herself. So I think that's so important for men and women to make your own life. So that way, when loneliness comes up, you'll have something else to kind of at least fill in the hole until you get the right person mm-hmm. that comes so on. So you don't get trapped in it. Yeah, don't yeah. get trapped in it. And don't let it, because, you know, it's like a rabbit hole. You can, like, go down a, your little despair. If you can get stuck at that place, that one place, you know, you can get stuck and then you just go down to, like, this little despair, mm-hmm. little hole. I will never let myself do that. When I feel myself getting like that, I'll be like, okay, I need to book me to go to see a show or something, you know? And it's and it really, you never know who you might meet. And God will bring strangers in your path to really uplift you. I really believe in that, you know, like divine connections. So I think that loneliness is a thing you have to really fight yourself you know, fight against for yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I like that you said being alone doesn't mean lonely. Yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you could be in a room full of a bunch of people, and that's sometimes when I felt the loneliness. Yeah. Or the loneliest. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, me too. Like, I was never a party girl. My other friends were party girls, and they would be like, you know, Charlie, aren't you having fun? I'd be like, no, I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm the only child, so I think this is, like, part of my nature. Yeah. You know, anyway, so. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. Yeah. Um. How long would you say it took you to, well, first, let's say, have you forgiven your ex-husband for the things he's done? And if so, like, how long did that take? And what are your thoughts? Oh, I totally forgave him. He's my friend. You know, really, to tell you the truth. We were family. I love him, you know. And I always say, when you hate somebody, it's because you haven't forgiven them totally, right? And it's because you can't. Think about it. Unless it's something like somebody they kill your family or something, you really don't ever hate somebody that you didn't at one time love, right? So yeah, yeah. So you know, hate is just too much of a burden to carry. You know, um, American History X says that's the like hate is just too. At the end of the movie, he says hate is too much of a burden to carry. I never forget that. Um, Yes, totally forgiven him. 
he always, when he speaks to me, is always like, I, I just want to say I'm sorry if I didn't say it. I really regret the way, you know, and I always, I told him, listen, you don't ever have to say sorry again because I forgave you a long time ago, you know, and that's really how I feel. And it really helps the relationship I have with my children. When we get together on yeah. holidays, they see how we interact with each other. Hugs, he'll kiss me, you know, my cheek, you know, it's no... I don't feel any way there. And and trust me, I have reasons to hate him. Not just because he cheated, but he had a baby on me. And, you know, it's still with the woman he had the baby with. But at the end of the day, thank you. Mm-hmm. Next. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Because mm-hmm. I didn't realize how good life could be without, without him. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so focused on being with him that I didn't ever look past him to see that life could be really fulfilling. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That I mean, I smile different now. You know, I'm happier. I've really found a joy within myself again. I feel like my old 18-year-old self that used to dance around the house in pajamas when my favorite song came on, you know? And I can just have fun with anybody. And I'm really, really striving to be a more lovable person. But I will say forgiveness is not something that happens overnight. I'm writing a book right now um, that's like, a woman be mad. That's the name of the book. And I think too many times when things happen, we're taught that we just just get over it. That just doesn't happen like that, you know? It is a process. It does take a process to forgive, you know? But I, I will say that once you get to there, it's nothing more freeing than that. I feel like I have wings. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I can see him. I can see his woman. I can see anybody else that's ever hurt me. And I can really smile and be like, I hope everything is going to be fine in your life and not mm-hmm. really have any hate in my heart. And so that feels makes me feel so free that I'm not carrying that hurt and that burden. You ever see a woman who's bitter and hurting? You don't even have to know them. You can just see them come through the room and you be like, dang, she bitter. Something's wrong with her. Yeah. You know? We call them Karens. Yeah, okay, okay, yes. <laughs> That's what they're called these yes. days. <laughs> Customer service people know all about Karens. Really? Mm-hmm. Jesus. So they need help. It's you just know? that bad energy. Yes, the bad energy. And not only that, they wear it on their face. It starts to you. It starts to see through them. You can see everything. The way they move. It's like they they're mad at everything. Oh my God! Don't do something crazy. Don't drop something. They're gonna be screaming on you. <laughs> oh you know? my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> they're searching for reasons to be mad. Oh my gosh! Too. Yes, any little thing. And that's just that. That takes a lot of energy to be like that. And so I always say. Yes, forgiveness takes time. Be upset. Be mad. Be angry. Get through those emotions. Go through those stages of grief you need to go through, but get to the other side, please. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And could definitely help a lot of people. Yeah. They, like, learn to forgive because also another point is that you allow for— in your example or in your situation, you allow your ex-husband to grow. Yeah. Like, sometimes if you don't forgive that person who's doing something, it's, it's hard for them to grow if you're, like, constantly spewing your hate on them right again and right. so they're they're also struggling it's like okay whether they grow or not is not your issue like right. that's not your responsibility right. but it's uh i mean good side effect i guess because yes. then it's you're creating more good people in the world yeah and i'm modeling something for my children too that people are gonna do all kind of things to you you're gonna have good experiences bad experiences it's part of life we be, you know, we live in a world that's very fragile now. You know, when I was growing up in the 80s in Brooklyn, nobody could be fragile. You can get this going to school. You know what I'm saying? Somebody can tell you, you ugly, your breast stink, your sneakers are ugly. You don't have, your parents are <laughs> oh, poor. Oh, your breast stink? That's like the meanest one. I know, I know. 
your parents are poor. You know what I'm saying? You can't afford this. You know, we were always used to getting this. So what did it do? It made us a little tougher. We were like, okay, whatever. So what? And my parents are poor. Your grandma poor too. You know, we <laughs> we knew it went to come back, you yeah. know, to say. But we live in a fragile society and people are triggered so easily. Um, And I think that's a, it's a good thing to be empathetic and to know that you, you know, you want to watch out for triggers. But it's also a bad thing because people are so sensitive, you know, sensitive and, you know, and 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 so it's people are really having it hard to forgive. So it's important that you don't be so sensitive that you can't look at yourself and forgive others when you need to. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So you are an author, like you said, yes. a speaker and a professor. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your book. So you said you're in the middle of writing one, but tell us a little bit about the other ones. Okay, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in the middle of writing ones. It's called Women Be Mad. Um, Woman Be Mad, and it's just about um, trying to get to the other side of mad. You know, that's what I call it, getting to the other side of mad Um, and going through that process because I know what it feels like to be mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just be mad and be like, God, why did it happen to me? I'm such a nice person, you know? (laughs) You know, and having those tears and then being like, it had to happen to you. You have to help somebody. You know, we don't think about it like that because we're so self-centered and we're so into ourselves. And we don't think that sometimes our journeys are not for us. They're for other people. So we can really help other people. Um, And so my, I wrote a book recently that was called Black from Scratch. That was a different kind of book. It was more of a coffee table book. And it's a a book of all Black people kind of doing their narratives and their stories just to change the, the societal stereotype of what Um, Black people are, you know, and really um, trying to change that narrative, you know. And these are people who have been through all kinds of experiences like myself, but have overcome them. And so I think that was important doing. It was a coffee table book. I'm going to bring one back for you guys or send me one for you so you can have that. I would love that. Yes. And then my other books are Relive. It was, that was a book that really came out of my divorce called Relive because I felt like when I went through this divorce, and even before the divorce, that a spiritual death had taken over me. You can be living and still not living, you know, and just surviving and and really be dead. And there was a point that I felt like I am dying. You know what I'm saying? And I need to get back to this, this life that I have that's inside of me, you know. And so Relive was born out of that. And that's more of a poetry book, just ex- expressing the different stages of grief I went through and how I came through it to the point that now I'm reliving again. Um, and actually better than before. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, ooh, snaps, we got that. Um, yeah, and then my first book is Black Dresses Sane. And that was a book dedicated to women. It's prose and poetry. But it basically just talks about different relationships that women get and just kind of what we talked about earlier how they get into these relationships, bad relationships, being attracted to bad boys because of what we have in us. What we have in us, you know, we're all beautiful women and, you know, we have different makeup and looks, but what our spirit is made of and what's really in our souls, they can tell a different story, you know? And so I talk about that. Different women going through different experiences and relationships. And then that's poetry and prose. And that's called Black Dress Estate. And the whole concept of that is that you can wear a black dress. If I spill something on it, Nobody can see that I spilled something on it, right? For the mm-hmm. most part, because it's a black dress. But the scars still remain. So it's kind of like that with women, right? We we take the hits, you know, sometimes. and But it doesn't mean the scars are not there underneath that. Yeah. And we dress it all up and we make it look pretty. But inside, we're dying. So those wow. are the three books. And then hopefully I'll be coming out with... Well, I'm a woman be mad. And then I'm trying to also do a book uh, detailing people who have uh, different experiences with God. So 
Okay, so through all of this, I, I really feel like you've had to find your own self-worth through all of these experiences that you've gone through. And now being a professor, you're around college-age kids yes. all the time, and I can imagine you're a mentor to them. Yes. So— what is your biggest piece of advice for young adults, and maybe we can specifically say women, mm-hmm. um, today that are just searching for their self-worth? Yeah. You know, I write a lot of things for women, but I want to say that I believe that there are so many great men out here, okay? Like, and I, I think, you know, the message is for young women and for young men to know that because we don't often think that self-worth, low self-worth is attributed to men, but there are a lot of that too. Yeah. Right? A lot of low self-worth attributed to men. Matter of fact, some of the reasons why, you know, people are hurting other people is because of low self-worth or because of what they've been through. So 100%. My, yeah. So my advice is to do self-inventory. I do self-inventory every six months. That's just my thing. Um, make sure you are living up to your purpose. What is your purpose? Some people don't even know what their purpose is. Find out what your passion is and what your purpose is. So that way you are treating yourself the best. I take myself out to the movies. I take myself out to plays. Of course, I got my girls, but I can. I love doing things from by myself, you know? And so that helps develop my self-worth too. Um, being able to spend time with myself and, and do some writing and I'll take my children out. You know, we do a lot of things. I like cultural events and going to all different places, but really discovering who you are is so important to, to that self-worth journey. Because if you don't know who you are, nobody else knows either. You know, it really begins with you. Therapy. Therapy is not a nasty tea. It's a big T, you know? <laughs> I always yeah, say that. It's I not a nasty therapy. word. Yes. Listen, I go. I went through therapy for years. And when I still feel like I'm like l- losing it, I call my therapist or I text like, hey, can I come see you? She'll be like, yeah, come on in. You know? And I speak to her and I feel so much better. And really get a good therapist who can be honest with you and who can tell you the truth and really help you get to the next level and really get past it. So therapy is so important. And really having a good circle around you. Because one of the things that I had to do when I was really changing who I was is doing inventory of the people around me, right? If you have people that are self-centered and nasty and really want to feed, you know, every negativity that's going on in your life, you need a reality check. You need a new circle. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to get a new circle, right? You can't think that you can stay in the same circle and change your behavior, right? Because some people are really just there for the ride, you know? Um, and so know who's there for the ride and who's there for your life and your purpose and really to see you grow. Um, so th- those are the key steps. Affirmations. I got to say that because I'm telling you, there's not a moment that I don't wake up that I don't believe the best about myself. Right. Like everything I'm doing, even when I came here today, I'm like, I'm going to have a great interview. They're going to be wonderful and great mm-hmm. and beautiful. And you guys are. <laughs> and I said, I'm loving it. And I'm going to get to see California in the back yeah. of me. And I am. So, I mean, I really, I wake up yeah. and I, I speak what I believe. And of course I pray and read my word, but that's part of my spiritual thing. But saying affirmations about where you see yourself going, what do you see yourself doing is so important. 
I love, love that. that. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff right there. <laughs> I hope you guys are taking notes at yeah. home right now. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Soleil. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Or seriously, just like a ray of sunshine. I'm sure you get told that all the time. Oh, people yeah. always say I have this energy, but you know what? It's because I love myself and yeah. I love people, right? It's not enough just to love yourself. You got to yeah. love people too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you got to do yeah. both. Yes. I love that. Well, where can everyone connect with you? Like your Instagram, where they can find sure. your books, all of that. Okay, so all my books are available on Amazon. I have a Chalet Jean-Baptiste. I know it's a French name, but it's spelled C-H-A-L-E-T. And I have a website, Chalet's Wits. So all my books are available on my website also. C-H-A-L-E-T-S-W-I-T-S, one word, dot com. And you can find all about me on there. I'm also, my Instagram page is Chalet's Wits. Facebook, Chalet's Wits. So I'm out there. Okay, <laughs> nice. Perfect. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys want to follow our podcast, it is at What We Said Podcast. We'll have some links below for you guys as well in the show notes. Um, hope you guys enjoyed. And that's, that's what, what we said. said. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.